this is Mark Levine, and this is On the Mark. In my last episode, I discussed my time in tech school at Keesley Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi, and assisting in the recovery of the Gulf Coast after Hurricane Camille made landfall on August 15, 1969. After my assignment in Mississippi, I was assigned to the Dover Air Force Base in Dover, Delaware. This became my permanent duty station. Dover Air Force Base is responsible for the Military Airlift Command for the Air Force. Their mission is to maintain aircraft for airlift for personnel and equipment. It is also known as a 436 Air Base Group. You could say we were the taxis of the sky. My brother lived not too far from Dover at Laurel, Maryland, and I used to visit him on occasional weekends. One weekend, I was on my way back from Laurel, and I was traveling back to the base when I saw a water tower with the logo of the Philadelphia Phillies. I knew I was in trouble. My heart sank when I realized I was not in Delaware. Well, I called my sergeant and told him I'd be late getting back to work, and he told me to get back as soon as possible. Once I got back to the office, I received a little bit of a lecture, and I sat at my desk without a word. You know, as an administrative specialist, my skills were needed all over the base. The Office of Airlift Capabilities was in need of an administrative specialist. I was to report to a colonel in charge of the office and told what my job description would be. Well, I became the office gopher. It was great. I had no real responsibilities, and I'd never flown on a military aircraft. So I asked the second-in-command, a major, whose name I don't recall, if I could take a flight on a C-141 Starlifter. This was the second-largest non-fighting aircraft in the Air Force at the time. And I was told to report at 6 a.m. on the flight line to a captain and take the navigator's seat. There was a lieutenant on board as a co-pilot, and my thought was we would fly to an airbase anywhere in the U.S. But to my dismay, we're doing what they call fly, touch, and goes throughout the East Coast. A touch and go means you land on an airstrip and immediately take off again without stopping. We must have flown to several bases during the four-hour flight. It was like being on a military roller coaster forever. I must have sucked every drop of oxygen out of that aircraft. Once we landed, I must have been green as a jolly green giant. The lieutenant came over to me and congratulated me for not throwing up. Again, I was reassigned to document distribution at the airbase headquarters. My job was to oversee the offices on base that were authorized to receive regulations and documents they requested from my office. This was early 1970. The card files were at least six feet long. When you pulled out a drawer, you better back up. On the file card was listed the which regulations they were authorized for that office. Well, one day I received a call from the uniform issue, and they wanted a regulation they were not authorized to receive. I looked up their regulation card and found they were not authorized for that regulation. They made a deal with me. If I gave them that regulation, they would give me a nice jacket. Well, unfortunately, when I left Dover, I discovered the jacket was stolen from my duffel bag. 
The military trap and skeet championships were held at Dover, and I was assigned to clean up the grounds during the seven-day event. It was a welcome change for my regular assignment. Of course, I was the lowest-ranking person there. The lowest-ranking officer were captains. The atmosphere was casual, and I, was in, I wasn't expected to salute all these officers. None were in, none were in uniform. I enjoyed the job, and I was able to talk to these folks on a first-name basis. And once it was over, they took me to Sambo's Seafood Restaurant and fed me all the crab, lobster, and beer I could eat and drink. Weeks later, I received a commendation from the office of the commander, thanking me for a job well done. My final assignment was working in the airbase mailroom. I sorted mail and put them in the individual mailboxes in the mailroom. And one day, an airman from the Consolidated Base Personnel Office came to me and said, Hey, Levine, you're going to Nam. And I told him to never mind and went back to work. He said, Mark, I am serious. I went over to the CBPO, and sure enough, the ticker tape said, Levine, Mark, 119794, assignment, play coup Vietnam. There was no date to deploy, so I knew it was preliminary to the official order. I was pretty upset. I called my parents and let them know of the situation. I was 22 at the time and did not want to go to Nam. Fortunately, the Air Force is slow preparing de deployment. On August 6, 1970, I woke up in my barracks room having difficulty breathing and coughing up phlegm. I headed to sick call. This was the base medical clinic. I saw Dr. Sosis. He looked at me, did a quick exam, called for an ambulance. Unbeknownst to me, I was having an asthma attack. I was driven to Dover Air Force Base by ambulance. Excuse me. I was driven to Dover, from Dover, to Washington, D.C., to the Malcolm Grove Medical Center, where I would call home for the next three months. When I arrived at the hospital, they immediately put me on a heart monitor and treated me for the asthma attack. On the way to the hospital, they were treating me with breathing treatments and, and continually checked my vitals. When I arrived at the hospital, they immediately put me on a heart monitor and continued to treat me for the asthma attack. I was placed in a ward once I, re once I got to the hospital with 20 other patients. Most of them were flown in from Vietnam with non-battle medical issues. I was ambulatory, so I was allowed to leave the ward to visit other facilities. I spent most of my time in the Red Cross game room. Here I could meet with volunteers and play pool, listen to music, etc. Helicopters were bringing in soldiers, Marines, and other military personnel from Vietnam. When possible, I would visit these heroes. Most of them were bandaged head to foot. I, I consoled those I could talk to and listen to their stories. During my stay in the hospital, I was allowed to visit my brother in Laurel and my aunt in Silver Spring. The purpose for this was a medical standpoint, was to find out what was causing the asthma. There was a small patio outside for those in the ward would visit, and I learned later most of those patients were dying of cancer. Years later, it was found out to be Agent Orange. In October of 1970, I decided to leave the hospital. I was allowed a 100-mile radius around the hospital to visit family. Well, I went all the way to Syracuse to see my parents. I flew to Syracuse to surprise with my parents. I was absent without leave. I spent the weekend with them, flew back to D.C., and little did I know I ended up in Georgetown. 
I had no way of getting back to the hospital, so I decided to have an asthma attack. I walked into a pharmacy close by and orchestrated the asthma attack, requesting an Air Force ambulance. Once I got back to the base emergency department, I looked up from the gurney and saw gold eagles staring at me. It was a physician with the rank of colonel staring at me, and he said, Where have you been, airman? In my meekest voice, I said to him, Syracuse, sir. He then said, You are reprimanded the hospital from here on. I said, Yes, sir. A month later, I was released from the hospital and was no longer assigned to duty. I left Dover Air Force Base on November 2nd, 1970, and I was discharged with medical retirement due to the asthma. My short career in the Air Force was fulfilling. It made me learn how to get on my own and respect those who are serving our country. I met a lot of good guys while I was in the ward, and my heart goes out to their families. Um, You just can't understand it unless you realize it. But staying in a military hospital the length of time I did, you learn to have a lot more respect for those who are, again, serving our country and making the final sacrifice. May all military personnel be blessed supporting our country. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of On the Mark. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please contact me at onthemark93 at gmail.com again. Onthemark93 at gmail.com. This is your host, Mark Levine, saying thank you for listening.